Welcome to C3 Church, Queen's Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. But keep calm and follow, trust Jesus. Uh, if I forget to say that, if I don't say it enough through the preach, then that's your takeaway. Trust Jesus. That's why I love our purpose circles. Can we have the purpose circles, please, Corey? That's why I love them. I don't, I don't think I've seen a better um, vision statement for a church. Bible, prayer, community. Three boxes that uh, we can easily tick and if we easily tick them, so fruitful in your walk with Jesus and for your effectiveness. But above all of that, we put Jesus at the centre. If we take our eyes off Jesus, things are going to be more difficult for us. If we forget Jesus and his righteousness, and if we forget to clothe ourselves with Jesus and all that comes with him, then we don't have the spiritual wherewithal to do what God has called us to do, what God has purposed us to do. So if I don't say it enough through the preach, your takeaway is trust Jesus and keep him at the centre of every thought, every action, in every situation, circumstance and he will see you through and he will equip you. There is no other name than the name of Jesus. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read a chunk of scripture. Is that good? Yes. Yes, it's good. That was the right answer. And it's a lot of Jesus speaking. So he's speaking to the crowd 2,000 years ago, but here he is today speaking to uh, each one of us here right now. I love the red because the red means this is coming straight from Jesus, not from me. This is Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 to 19. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he sent them out to heal and to cast out demons and to raise the dead. So he's instructed them to go out and do that. He's bringing them into his ministry. He went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. And when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. He will come. He comes the kingdom of heaven. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, are you getting excited? The dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus at his most clear best. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Did you go out to see a reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet, yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is the one all the prophets prophesied to. The one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven, here we are, put your hand up, is greater than he. What an amazing recommendation for those of 
upon whom God's spirit and favour rests and through whom God's spirit moved. We heard wonderful stories about street chaplaincy. That's this scripture in action. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. Do you sometimes wonder why things aren't going favourably well in your life? Because the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. We have an opponent. For all the prophets in the Lord prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, John is the Elijah who was to come. Jesus is really speaking John the Baptist up. Whoever has ears, let him hear. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you didn't dance. And we sang a dirge and you did not mourn. And if we're not careful, we can be that generation. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. The word of Jesus, the actions of Jesus will always be proved right. So, What's Jesus doing? Jesus is going about, we take it from the top there, Jesus is going about his father's business. He's out there proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven has come to earth. It's upon Jesus, it's in Jesus, heaven is Jesus, and then through him um, people are blessed. And he foretells of us. On us, in us, through us, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in each one of us. So the ministry of Jesus continues in each one of us today. We've heard amazing uh, testimonies from the street. And Jesus picks up where John the Baptist left. If you read his early ministry, it's repent. Turn away from your sins. You've been separated from God. Come. Receive his goodness, receive of his mercy, receive of his grace. He is your father, your dad in heaven, and his favour and his acceptance is yours. And then he backs that up. He's proclaiming the good news, but he backs it up with miracles and signs and wonders. And we hear of the details, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. That's our inheritance. That's our destiny and our purpose. Now in prison, John hears that. He hears what Jesus is doing and he sends out his disciples and he has a question for them. Now this is John the Baptist. I've got a soft spot for John the Baptist. He's almost my favourite biblical character, I think. Part of of it because of this story. Uh, And he's been with Jesus from the beginning. You know, when pregnant Mary comes to visit pregnant Elizabeth, Mary comes with Jesus in the womb. Elizabeth's got John the Baptist in the womb, and John the Baptist leaps for joy when Jesus comes in the room. We had an interesting question. We had dinner with these guys, um, Shaday and JP, and I think it was Levi, said, Mum and Dad, who was the first Christian? That's a good question, isn't it? Who's the first Christian? And we talked about it. I'm not sure we we arrived, but I'm happy with the answer. John the Baptist. Because baby Jesus walks in and he leaps with joy. Prophetic testimony of who Jesus is. 
and, and John the Baptist's second cousin, you know, starts the ministry, baptised Jesus. Jesus walks past him and John calls out, Behold, look, there is the Lamb of God. There's the one who's going to take away the sin of the world. Boldness. Understanding spiritual discernment. So what would we expect the question to be? Jesus, I've heard what you're doing. It's awesome. Would you like me to send some of my followers along to help you? Or Jesus, I've heard what you're doing. It's awesome. What do you want me to pray for? Or Jesus, I've heard what you're doing. It's awesome. What's the thing you're going to be doing next? What's coming up? But we don't get that. Something about what Jesus is doing is making John the Baptist doubt. Something about what Jesus is doing, the dead are raised, the lame walk, the good news is preached to the poor, is causing John to go, are you really the Messiah? Are you the one who is to come or are we supposed to be waiting for someone else? appears to be a disconnect between what Jesus is doing and what John was expecting the Messiah should be doing. What was John expecting? Well, let's have a look at it in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptising, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He wasn't scared to speak to authority, was he? Keep fruit, you vipers. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we've got Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. All oh, the axe is already at the root of the tree. It's good to read this, isn't it? And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptise you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire, and his winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing fold, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What was John proclaiming and expecting from Jesus? Hammer time. <laughs> Judgment, vengeance, accountability. That's not what Jesus was about. That's not what the kingdom was about. John sort of caught up in the scenario of most of those times. The Jews expected the Messiah to come and restore the earthly kingdom and stick it to the Romans, basically. So poor old John. His expectations of what Jesus should be doing wasn't being met. And he's going through something that we all go through. If it's true for John back then, it can be true for us now. So the question is, what do we do when it's not working out the way, the way we plan? What do we do when Jesus doesn't seem to be doing what we expect of him in our own lives? What do we do when we believe or when we start to feel that God is not coming through for us the way he should come through to us? Because I've got such a clever plan. You know? I don't understand why God's not doing it. We have to be careful. John's got his faith in Jesus, but maybe more so he's got his faith in a vision 
a movie reel of what he expects Jesus should be doing. And so what's Jesus' response to John? John, the kingdom is here, but it's just not what you expected. John, what you saw and declared was a coming day of judgment. It will come. It will be here. But at present, we're in Isaiah 61. We are in the acceptable year of our Lord's favour. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, says Jesus, and he passes it to us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us to preach the good news. The blind will see. Those who are oppressed will be set free. Bondage will be broken. Weights will be lifted off. So how does Jesus respond? Because poor, you know, we don't want to give John the Baptist a hard time. He's an awesome man, and he's in prison. You know? But he's expecting things for Jesus to do, which is just not coming through for us. And so what does Jesus say to him? There's a, if, we chew, if we chew into this passage, uh, Jesus is doing saying, saying four things. But in the wash-up, he's saying this. No matter how you feel things are going down, hold fast and trust Jesus. Keep Jesus at the centre. Are things not going to expectation in your life? Is Jesus not living up to the promise that you expect him to be living up to? Is it family? Is it health? Is it career? Is it relationships? Is it finance? Is what you expected Jesus to do for you not actually following through? Now, I don't know why. There's possible reasons why things aren't working out for you. We know we've got an, op an opponent. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven, that's you and me, will suffer violence. We have an opponent. We live in a fallen world. And the effects of sin remain on people and through people to affect our lives. We are opposed by demonic personalities who want to rob, kill and steal. So if things aren't quite living up to the expectations, there's some good reasons. Sometimes we think Jesus will make things, you know, go awry because he wants to teach us stuff. I do not buy into that. I tell you why, because there's other reasons stuff going. Jesus doesn't have to create things to go wrong. We've got the opposition hitting our way anyway. There's sinners in the world. But I tell you what Jesus can do, take everything that might be going against you and turn it around and make it for good and to strengthen you. I tell you why things aren't stacking up. So I'll tell you why things aren't stacking up. It's not because it's not because Jesus doesn't love you. We had a communion this morning, this afternoon. Jesus, whilst we were sinners, still died for us. If things aren't going and measuring up your expectations, it's not because Jesus doesn't love you. He's proved that. It's not because Jesus has taken his eyes off you or your situation or your circumstance or forgotten you. It's not because the kingdom of God has disappeared somewhere. <laughs> the kingdom of God remains and you are a part of it. It's not because Jesus has lost control and doesn't know what's happening in your life. It's not because Jesus doesn't have a good outcome planned for you. Wisdom will be known by its good deeds. So Jesus addresses each of these things, and in four ways. Here's the first thing he does. 
Jesus affirms John. He says he knows him. He knows him so well. He demonstrates that he knows who John is, where he's come from, where he's going. Did you go out to the desert to see uh, a reed? John, John's a man of convictions. He's telling the people in so many phrases. He's a man of convictions. He's not a sissy. You're not going to find him in a palace. He's gone out. He's committed. In fact, he is the prophet above all other prophets. In fact, if you want to know who John is, John is the Elijah that was spoken of in the scriptures. He knows John and he knows him well. He knows you. He sees you. He formed you in the womb. He understands you. He knows the gifts that he's given you. He knows the purpose he has for you. He's equipped you. He loves you. And he is not absent in your life. He has not taken his eyes off you. He didn't take his eyes off John. He knew who John was, where he had been, where he and so on. If things aren't stacking up, if God is not on your agenda, it's not because he doesn't know you or doesn't see you. And as he affirms John, Jesus will affirm you each and every day. Second thing, he affirms the kingdom. He says the kingdom is here. The followers of John come up and go, you know, are you the one? Tell him, tell, go and tell him. Go and tell John what he sees. The kingdom of God is here. And so whether you're feeling like expectations aren't being met, the kingdom of God is here and you are in the kingdom of God. You are in the acceptable year of God's favour. So when things aren't particularly stacking up, we can get disappointed and we can take our eyes off Jesus because he's not meeting our needs. That is exactly the opposite of what we are to be doing. We keep Jesus at the centre, we keep him focused, we keep our trust in him, and we articulate that. Jesus, I don't quite know what's going on, but I trust you. Because I am in the acceptable year of God's favour. Nothing can take that away from you. We are in the acceptable year of God's favour. It's Isaiah 61. Jesus begins his ministry with that out of Luke 4. For the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because Jesus has, so the Spirit has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So if things aren't quite stacking up for you at the moment, wonderful things are happening in his kingdom. God is moving through his followers, and we can encourage ourselves with what we hear. We've got to get up, get out, and see again the marvellous things that God can do. We, we encourage ourselves and we strengthen ourselves when we do that. Jig along, let's go to church. Yeah. Yay, let's clap. I thought you'd get that that's what I was wanting. That's an answer to prayer for those guys. They're, gonna, they're going, how amazing is God? We never thought we'd get this church with walls. We knew we'd get a roof. But now we've got a roof and walls. We've got a church. God is amazing. God answers prayer. We heard um, testimonies from the streets. And isn't that wonderful? Walking past, Holy Spirit says stop, and then through the gate. There's someone who needs God's love and God's ministry. Connect group. 
we have a little Lorraine keeps a little book of what we've prayed for and all the answers to those prayers. And we've got a little, we've got a long list. Well, I say a little list. We've only been going a little while, but uh, of prayer that God answers. So it might not be stacking up for you at this very moment, and you're starting to go. My ex- God's not meeting my ex- my expectations. I tell you, you look out, God is answering prayers everywhere. And we can encourage ourselves with that. Jesus affirms John. He affirms you. He knows you. He sees you. Jesus affirms the kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. His favour is upon you. And then Jesus says two things. Here's our third one. Blessed are you if you don't stumble because of me. Puts it so well in verses 16 to 18. To what can I compare this generation? And he was speaking to the generation in front of him, but he's speaking through them to us. They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. Hey, we played the pipe for you and you didn't dance. Hey, we sang a dirge and you didn't mourn. Why not? I played the dirge, why didn't you mourn? What's Jesus telling us? He's telling us, guard against setting your own tune and expecting Jesus to dance to it. He's telling us, guard against setting your own agenda and then expecting Jesus to comply with it. See, we want to put ourselves in the driver's seat because we know better than God. We want to take God where we're going. Trust Jesus. What do we pray? Lord, your will be done, not mine. Jesus showed us how to do that. Does that mean we don't pray? Does that mean we don't believe for miracles, deliverance for our family and our friends and so on? Of course not. It means we do. We pray and we pray and we, we, we ask God. God says, ask for what you need. So I'm not saying that. But when things get tough and unexpected, when he doesn't answer and deliver according to our time frame, what do we do? We keep calm and we trust Jesus. The timber frames are on their way. In the name of Jesus. Oh, the roof people are on their way. You're getting greedy. And if we're not careful, we can get disappointed, angry, despondent, lose faith, and we walk away from church, and we walk away from the people of God, and we walk away from Jesus. When really those circumstances are to drive us deeper into who Jesus is, deeper into prayer, deeper into sharing with the people around us. I remember I was in Bali once, I think I, was, I want to say this for a big preach, so I'll just do a little one. But we were going through a canyon. We were doing canyoning. And uh, all the water's rushing, and we had to get through the canyon. And I knew where I wanted to go. I wanted to go up here. I could see a little path with little rocks. And the guide says, put your foot there. And I couldn't see anything. The water was... He said, put your foot there. He's just pointing. And I went, no, I'm going up here, because I can see a better way. And put your foot there. I couldn't see anything. I put my foot there and there was a rock underneath there. He knew because he was the guide. And then he told me where to go. If I'd gone my way, I would have got there, but it would have taken me twice as long and been twice as dangerous. We've got to listen to the guide. He says, you go there. So we might be asking God, 
I want peace and I joy and joy. Jesus knows you. He goes, actually, you don't need that. It's better for you if you learn some righteousness. And out of your righteousness, peace and joy will follow. I want wealth so I can bless beyond. Jesus goes, I, good, I love your heart intentions, but actually my agenda, you actually need some humility. I don't know if humility is the opposite of wealth, but there's something else that God wants to establish in your heart. If God doesn't work the miracle to change your circumstances, he is working a greater miracle to change you. That's not my thought. I read that in a little Instagram post yesterday. In Romans chapter 5, we read this. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope will not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If God came down like he did to Solomon and said, you can have anything you want, would anyone choose perseverance, please, God? Would anyone choose character, please, God? Would anyone choose sufferings, please, God? We won't choose those things. But God says those things can sometimes work for your good and produce. I don't know. But if you're feeling, I've got these expectations, God, you're not coming through, keep calm, trust Jesus. Go to him and go, Lord, what are you doing in my life? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's working it for good. That's our ultimate trust statement. Lord, you are working all things for good. So we hold fast and we trust. We believe that he who has us in his hand knows best. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, He's begun a good work in you and he will see it through to completion. No matter what situation, circumstance you are in, God is working it for good. It might not be what we want. It might not be what we, we desire. It might not be pleasant, but he's working it for good, for his kingdom purpose and for his eternal purpose. And then he says this, Wisdom is proved right by its deeds. Can we have the band coming up with things? What happened to Jesus a few chapters on from there? Wisdom will be proved right by its deeds. He suffered. He died. He was buried. And to all intents and purposes, he looked a failure. Didn't look wise at all, did he? Didn't look like the Messiah. The king on a cross died, buried. But these things had to happen so he could demonstrate his kingship, his authority, and set up his complete victory over sin and death. Because having suffered, died, and buried, he rose from the dead ascended into heaven and he waits there for the perfect timing of his return once everything has been fulfilled. Wisdom will be proved right by its deeds and we have the gospel message because of that sequence of events. Paul puts it really well in 1 Corinthians. He says, this is the gospel that according to the scriptures, Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose from the dead. And he's going to be the first of many. 
might not look so great now, but remain in me and my wisdom will be proved right. What's the wisest thing to do? Trust Jesus. What's the wisest thing to do? Keep Jesus at the centre. What's the wisest thing to do? Compare your agenda with what Jesus' agenda is for your life. In Romans 8, we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things work for good. For those God foreknew, that's you and me, he predestined. And those he predestined, he will conform into the image of his son. Why? So that Jesus will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What's God's agenda for us? Whatever your situation and circumstance might be, in our heart, in our human heart, God, you're falling short of what I expect you to be. Jesus goes, just like John the Baptist, John, you got it wrong. The kingdom of heaven was always about sin and death being put to death and grace and mercy coming. Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We're the secondborn, we're the thirdborn, we're the fourthborn, to be just like Jesus. And those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Trust Jesus. Listen to his agenda. He knows you. He's got a great purpose for you, predestined. You are going to be conformed into the image of his son, that you will be called, you will be justified, and you will be glorified in this life and in the next. Wisdom, God's spirit upon you and through you, will be proved right. When he spoke to those who were waiting for Lazarus, who has gone to Lazarus's funeral, he says, only believe and you will see the glory of God come to pass. Again, if you're in challenging circumstances at the moment, keep calm, put Jesus at the centre, believe and you will see the glory of God come to pass. What did the angel say to Mary? And Mary goes, that's an amazing prophecy. I'm going to have the Son of God. Be it done unto me according to your word, Lord. And the angel says, you're blessed because you believe that what God has said will come to pass. And in the moment, we're going to sing the song, I Speak Jesus. These guys are going to sing it. And we're going to provide an opportunity for people to rededicate your heart. If you've been in that place of John the Baptist, where because things aren't measuring up, you're going, Jesus, are you really the one, or should we be waiting for somebody else? Or maybe you're in a good place at the moment. Then we can take the time to thank God that his hand is upon your life. Thank God that there's blessing and favour, and situations and circumstances will only make you stronger as we keep Jesus at the centre. What was Jesus' message to John? John, I see you, I know you, you are a mighty man of God. And through John, that's his message to us. The kingdom is here. John, I know what's going on. I have you in hand. Don't stumble because of what I've got 
for you. Just wait. Wisdom will be proved right and you will see God's glory. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.